This class uh, is entitled, If by the Spirit, dot, dot, dot. And um, we have uh, thought long and hard. We took a semester off, and um, we're, we wanted to make some changes from the series of courses that we've done. Um, a lot of those courses, Andy Reese pontificated for a long time in class, and some of you were like, oh, that was awesome. Some of you like, oh, my God. Got my rest. Um, this class is going to be a lot more interactive. Um, and I'm going to lay out what our goal is. I think it's a really good goal. And it's, it's going to be um, taught by the Freedom Prayer team. I, I'll be heading that up. But, um, so if you're part of the Freedom Prayer team, just raise your hand so you can kind of see, see people around. There's a, there's a number of others who are going to come in and out over time. But um, we collectively have um, been discovering that uh, scripture, in, and especially in Romans 8, and this, this class is going to be centered around what Romans 8 says, and how do you do that on it? Come on in. Uh, Mike, do you want to make sure, maybe set up a couple more chairs around? Let's fill in this front row with chairs, too. Um, <coughs> But we've, we've found that uh, over the years, over the many years we've been doing this, that uh, radical, real change can come about in our lives in areas that we thought would never change. We're going to call this course How to Transform Your Mate, but we thought that, was, <laughs> that would be a really bad idea. My wife talked me out of that uh, very quickly. But um, it, it really is, is how to... How to help transform each other, and um, uh, and all of that. So, uh, so we're going to do that. Um, I thought that I would start out with a question. Did you come to the wrong? No, that's fine. Um, where did you send them? No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, I just want to ask this question, and and this is like a wide open question, based on your tradition history. How would you define the word spiritual? Or spiritual. Um, what what are you know? Just when we say that word, they're spiritual, or that movie was spiritual, or that person spiritual, or that sermon was spiritual. What what kind of description or a couple of words pop in your mind when you when you hear that? Yeah. Like Jesus. Like Jesus. Yeah. Deep, deeply Good. connected. Yeah. Deeply connected. Yeah. Spontaneous. Spontaneous? Above the world, like beyond our daily tasks. Like yeah, kind of above the world, otherworldly, beyond the grind of the world. Yeah? I think as a, if you're taking tradition, it should also just mean church. Spiritual got defined as being just thinking about godly things. It yeah. Defined in the realm of thinking. Yeah, I, I'm thinking of, on spiritual things, right? Yeah. Yes? Resonant, like it's resonant, like it's... Resident? Resonant. 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 Uh-huh. Like, um... Like a spirit, um, spiritual things, um, they just have a, have a tone that you can feel kind of in your Yeah. Body. Yeah, they just, it kind of resonates with you in a different sort of a way. If someone is spiritual or an event is spiritual or a worship time is spiritual, 
you just, um, I don't know how many of you have been in a worship time where it's like, it's somewhere in the middle of it, it's switched from song leading to being connected to God. You go, I don't know where that happened, but all of a sudden I didn't want it to stop. I didn't want there to be announcements. I, I just, this was, you know, this was what I made for, you know, in some kind of a way. Um, okay, so here's another one. Um, how many of these feel sort of true in your Christian experience? So growing up, uh, we're just kind of do, I'm going to do just kind of a little show of hands. And it might be all of them, some of them. Uh, well, no, I'm not going to do that. Just when you look at those, is there any that just jump out at you as, yeah, that was, that's kind of me and my, there's plenty of space right up front. Um, was that, were all six of those kind of typical of your upbringing or some not so much? No. Which ones jump out at you as being, yeah, that was kind of really important to us growing up? Three was very true for me. Three, I learned a lot about God, not much about the Holy Spirit. Yeah? And number five. And number five. I'm not sure I've actually met God. Would I recognize him on the street, right? Yeah, there wasn't really, um, I would think that they're very spiritual people. They very much believed in God. Yeah. They very much believed in the Bible. And um, and they lived very well. Like, yeah. They did the right things, you know, and stuff. But there wasn't ever really the relationship preached or taught to have that personal yeah. relationship with it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that I've really met God growing up. Yeah. I would say also, Andy, number six, yeah. but you didn't discuss it because you had number one. And if you discussed it, maybe number one wasn't oh. valid. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Did, you, did you go all the way under, brother? I mean, well, I you know. Well, I'm not sure, but we're, did, you know, what's your finger at? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And what about the, the list now? Which, which of those kind of go, yeah, that's kind of true. Welcome, sir. I, I would say that um, I find my times, uh, number two, are a little more like many Bible studies than um, <coughs> gathering information. I wouldn't say now, but I would say over the last few years, uh-huh. um, I felt good about having a little Bible study and didn't necessarily connect to God, but felt like I was doing the right thing by learning about God. Yeah. Yeah, little devotionals, little yeah. mm-hmm, a verse, uh, a word about it, and a prayer at the end kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, none of these things are, are wrong per se, but but they're they're sort of typical of of a Christian walk, both growing up and Come in. Hello, the four of you. How are the twins? We got space right up front here, and I can put a stool for you to prop up your legs if you need to. I might do it. I did it this weekend at a conference. Good news. Yes. Yay. Thanks, everybody that prayed. Yeah. I got a couple of twins. One was outpacing the other one and catching up now, which I like. Yes. That's great. That's really good. Um, so we're we're talking about sort of our a typical Christian experience around, um, and uh, so this idea of of freedom prayer was well, if if I'm 
struggling with sin and painfully, painful emotions growing up, and I'm still struggling with sin and painful emotions, what do I do about that? We don't talk about that in polite society. You know, it's just like, come in, there's, uh, there's seats, scattered seats. Um, <clears throat> where do, like there's a scripture that says, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. And you go, I don't think I've ever done that. Do you guys not like each other? Oh. I'm trying to make room next to I think we should. Yeah, okay. Um, anyway, and so, so I've, I've probably prayed, counseled with, and prayed for maybe 1,500 people over the years. And these things are just really typical. Of, it's like, I'm not a criminal. I'm not a drug addict. I'm not a, you know, but, but there's this sort of low-grade fever in my Christian walk where I'm not, I know there's more. I'm not quite satisfied. There are things that nag at me. Sometimes I feel like I'm going through the, the motions. Um, my children are kind of drifting. And what is, what is that? Um, I kind of described it this way, sort of like this. Um, I have needs, issues, pain, and I have questions about the meaning of knowing God, and so do my friends. Scripture says that by the Spirit I can change. I can walk with God. I can be able to help others to do that, too. And I want to do that, but I feel pretty inept. It's like I would, I would love to be like a really effective voice with my children, with friends. I'm sitting across uh, coffee with somebody at Starbucks or someplace cooler. And, um, and yeah, I know it used to be Starbucks, now it's someplace cooler. Um, I'm not going to tell children's stories in this class. I promised my children I wouldn't. But, um, and so they're, they're sharing kind of despondent. You go, hey, what's happening? How are you doing? They share some despondent feelings, and you're like, what did I see on Oprah? You know, it's like, what would Dr. Phil do? Because I really feel like, like I may not be there myself, and who am I to, to try to do this? And yet, for example, Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says, if anyone is caught in a trespass, if anyone is in a stumbling situation, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. And you go, I guess I ought to call Josh. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like you're, he's busy, he's busy for the next two months. Um, okay, you should go to a counselor, you should go to somebody else, you know. And yet scripture says, no, that's, that's us. Bear one another's burdens. How do I do that? How do I... And how do I do that in my own life? And so, um, and so we're kind of the, the, the help. Um, and so this class is about um, what God has done, and based on what he's done, what do we do about all of those sort of nagging things that we've been talking about? How do we, how do we at, at the end of this class, 17 weeks, or however many weeks it is, go, man, real change is good. I feel it's possible. I feel the beginnings of it in me. I'm really hopeful. And I feel armed and dangerous. You know, it's like, I feel like I'm carrying, I've, I've got a carry permit from God to change people's lives around me. Yeah, 
you know, I think I'm, I think I'm ready. I, I feel like I can do that. So our goal for this class is to help us to, to be in that situation. Okay, I, I think that, and Mike and Jean are each going to share at the end, but I, I think that, I, I think that that is within, it is within the, the, the plan of God that each of us are capable of not only seeing what's happening in our own lives and dealing with it, but also helping those around us in, in honest, real conversations with God together. And so we're going to do that. Okay, so uh, we're going to come back to some of this, but I'm going to cover Romans in 30 seconds. You ready? One through eight. Okay, so here we go. Romans 1, the world is a mess. So if you, if you pick out verses, you go, yeah, it's this, it's that, it's that, they did this. They, they, Romans is a, the world is a mess. Romans 2, don't go out, so are you, right? It's like, it, you just start to go, yeah, that world, yeah, that world. And Paul goes, you know, so are you. And so Romans 2 is all about, yeah, I guess it's me too. Romans 3 says, God paid off all your past debt. He paid off all your debt. Your house debt, credit card debt, school loans, all your past debt. You look, you look at your bank account and there are no overdue bills in the kingdom. There's no, he paid off all sin that you've ever committed, ever, your whole life. He said, I took it. Romans 3 says, I said, I took it. Romans 3.23, I took it. I took it all. It's mine. It's not yours anymore. You can carry it if you want, but you don't have to. I took your sin. I took your guilt. Okay, Romans 4 says, um, oh, I skipped Romans 4. So Romans 4 says, well, because, because Paul, Paul steps aside for a minute, he goes, I want you to know what happened in Romans 3 is all about faith. And it will always be about faith. And it will be about faith from here on out for the rest of Romans. Okay, he says, look, it was by faith with, with Abraham, and it's by faith with you. All of this comes merely by you saying yes. It doesn't come by you working hard. It doesn't come. It comes because you say yes to what I've done, right? You won the lottery. Here's a million dollars. Oh, I, I, I need to work to get that million. No, I, no you can't. No, no, I, I got it right here. It's yours. And, and we find these, these struggling ways to say, I either have to deserve it or I have to earn it. There's, there's, something about, there's something wrong with me and there's something wrong with what I'm doing and this seems too good to be true. And Paul says, no, because it gets better from here. See, most of us have stopped here. God paid off, God, God forgave my sin. That's like the hors d'oeuvres in the meeting. That's like, that's like you know, the, the hummus and the celery before you sit down to dinner. I mean, that's really good. It's really good stuff. But wait, there's more. Not what you pay, right? Romans 5, God says, if I paid off all your past debt, why wouldn't I pay off your monthly note? You can't pay that either. So God says, if while we're yet sinners, I died for you, how much more? Now that you're my child, will I cover your sin on an ongoing basis? And you go, whoa. Okay, so that's different. But wait, there's more. God puts you in the witness protection program. You have so messed up that, that Satan has free shot at you. Darkness has a free shot at you. And, and God said, I buried you 
and I resurrected a new you, and the old you is the one who's going to go to jail forever. The old you is the guilty, but there's a new you, and Satan can't touch you, can't find you. You're free. You're free from the condemnation of darkness in your life. You're free. So, um, so the good news only gets better. I put you in witness protection. Here's the next thing he said. The law can't find you either. See, not only was the mafia after you for some really bad stuff you got tangled up in, but your name was on the post office wall. And, and God said, the law can't find you either. See, Romans 7 is all about, look, you're going to violate the law. Every single human has violated the law. I'm here to tell you, you're free from that demand now. And so in Romans 6, um, obedience is, is portrayed as a slave and a, as a slaveholder and a slave. And he said, the slaveholder's not going to die, but if you die, the slaveholder can't get you anymore. In Romans 7, the law is portrayed as the perfect husband and the striving wife. And, and he said, the wife tries, she tries, she tries, she tries. I can't be good enough. I can't be good enough to please this husband. I can't be. He's perfect. There's nothing wrong with him. He's not demanding. He's so perfect, he's driving me nuts, and I can't please him. And Paul says, if the husband dies, you're free. Don't get any ideas. But it says, so the husband's not going anywhere. The law's not going anywhere. I'm going to kill you. And if you die, you're free from the law. And so he takes that same thing, I've been crucified with Christ. I've died. And he says, you're free from the law. You're free from the, you're free from the ability of Satan to hook you and, and, and put darkness on you. That, that, that has been buried. And you're free from the demands of the law to be perfect, which is like the two voices in our head. You're never good enough. You're never good enough. And hey, buddy, want opium? You know, you're, it, it says you're free. From those two voices, I've taken care of that. So, I've taken care of all your past debt, taken care of your monthly note, I've taken care of the two voices, but wait, there's more. You aren't crazy. Romans 7b, Paul says, I do the thing I don't want to do. I find myself sinning, and I don't want to sin. He goes, wait, if I do the thing I don't want to do, then I'm not the one doing it. If a kid said that to you, you'd go, <clears throat> you need to own up, buddy. But Paul says, look, this is, this is the truth. If you're doing the thing you don't want to do and it hurts your heart, then you're not the one doing it, but sin that dwells in you. And Paul says, I find this rule to be true, that I, the one who doesn't want to sin, sins, but it's not me, it's a sin nature in me. Okay? See, that old man has died, but he's kind of hooked to your belt. And he's going to be hooked to your belt until you die. And when you die, the sin nature goes. And in heaven you go, I feel totally different because I feel no depression, no demands, no temptation. That was the sin nature? And God's going to say, yeah, that was it. That's the thing that was hooked to you. That's why I don't condemn you, because you were saddled with the sin nature when you were born. And when you were born again, I separated the two. And this one I love. This one we all hate. But this one I love. And you need to understand, Romans 7b, you're not crazy. You're not going crazy. The fact that you sin and hate it, 
That is, that is evidence, prima facie, on the face of it, evidence that you're a child of God. Not that you sin, but that you don't like it. But that at your best moments you go, I, I, I hate doing that. I hate being that way. What is wrong with me? And God says, nothing. We're going to deal with that. Hang with me, okay? These things are absolutely, absolutely incredible. So when you switch gears to Romans 8, the very first thing Romans 8 says is, therefore, you don't need to feel any condemnation about your life. Any condemnation. None. None. I took care of every single avenue for you to feel condemnation. Are you good with that? Are you okay with that? Can you grasp that? That's what Paul's saying. He said, look, every, everything that was wrong that kept you from being who you're called to be, I've dealt with. Past tense. Past tense. Present. Not parsable. Paraclete. Future perfect. You know, it, it's like, it's like he's, he's laid all of this out for us. And so he says, you're not a condemned man. So all of this is in the past tense. All of that is in the past tense. So we shift gears to Romans 8. And right then, right there, everything changes. The whole discussion changes. The whole way we look. And there's one word that pops up again and 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 again in Romans 8. Jesus is, is about to ascend into heaven, and he says to his disciples, don't go anywhere, don't do anything, don't preach, wait until the Holy Spirit fills you. Don't try to be a Christian, don't try to tell people about being a Christian, don't try to change the world, don't try to do miracles, don't try to, don't pray, just wait. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will fill you, and out of your belly will flow a river of living water. And it says, by this, in John 6, it says, by this he spoke of the Holy Spirit, who had not yet been given because Jesus was not glorified. When Peter is preaching in Acts 3, he says, know for certain that Jesus is glorified because of what you see and hear today. The Spirit has been poured out. And he said, this gift, this gift of the Holy Spirit is for you, for your children, and for every person whom God calls to himself. It's not stingy. You don't have to tarry. You don't have to fall down and shake. You don't. It's yours. It is, it is your gift. Now, we haven't always unpacked the gift. We haven't thought about the gift. It, it, the Holy Spirit isn't human. His first language is in English, and he's not pushy. So we can walk a long time in a lot of ways and, and miss all the green letters in Romans 8. We can just kind of go, ah, Romans 3, my sins are forgiven. I'm just hoping and praying. I'm working hard. I'm, I'm, my sins are forgiven. I've been baptized. You know, and, and, and we're kind of, we're, we're way back there in Romans 3, living on the, the hummus and celery stick faith when God says, there's tons more after Romans 3, and this is how I want you to live. This is how I want you to live. Romans 8 is the first thing that happens after you've been saved is to get 
open all the gifts, understand what you got. They got lots of bells and whistles on them. You'll, you'll have to read the manuals and learn about them, but you got a lot of cool stuff at Christmas. And now, I haven't left you as an orphan to figure this out, but I have filled you with my very presence. I filled you with my very presence. And you are a different creature on this earth. Jesus said to his disciples, you're not of this world. He didn't mean you're spiritual. Okay? He meant, no, you are a different being. You have a, you, you are a living, born-again spirit with me inside of you. See, a normal human goes, I'm body and soul, body and soul, body and soul. A Christian goes, I am a spirit. I have a soul, and I live in a body. But I am primarily a spirit. I'm, that's, that's the part that's going to live forever. That's, that's got the longevity. When I die, Scripture says my spirit leaves my body and goes to the Lord. Okay, so I am a spirit. I have a soul, live in a body. And so this class is about how do we do these things in green? What does that mean to us? How does that change us? How does that modify us? How do we walk? And so I've tried to organize it into three things. <clears throat> we are then partners with the Holy Spirit in applying the finished work of Christ to the unfinished work of sanctification within us. Right, justification, sanctification, glorification. Right, that, those are the three biggies. Justification is past, and it's all about Romans 1 through 8a. Sanctification is the rest of Romans 8, Romans 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Um, it, it's, it's how do I take the finished work of Christ and apply it in every part of my life? Not just through doing the right thing, but through learning dependence on the Spirit who does His work in us and through us. Right? If the outcome of everything Jesus did was that I have to try harder to be perfect, that would be like hell on earth. You know? And most of us go, okay, I try harder, I don't do well, so I'm going to live in this place of tolerable desperation and wait for heaven. And, but Jesus forgave this stuff, so, so I'm, I'm good. I'm good with that. And I think Jesus is saying, that's, that's fine. But that's hummus and celery, okay? There is way more that you have received, and I am going to help you walk. I am going to help you walk. So let's look at this. First of all, it's a freedom mindset. So Paul is saying, for those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. The mindset on the flesh is death. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Now, what does that mean? Okay, so, so, so our makeup is three parts, okay? Body, so that's brain, bones, organs. As we work our way in, we have a brain, and at some point, that brain becomes a mind. At some point, doctors go... I can tell you what physiologically happens. I can tell you how the chemical works, but I can't tell you why it works, and I can't tell you why it's doing what it's doing. I can tell you how, 
I can I can mess it up by injecting things and giving you things, but I can't I can't tell you how because now I'm into the soul, and the soul is mind, and as you work your way deeper, will your decider, so your thinker, your decider, and emotions, your feeler. So your soul is made up of I know I'm going fast, but your soul is made up of what I think, how I decide, and what I feel. Okay, that's, that's where your soul lies. Your spirit is the inner core of who you are. And that's where God dwells. God dwells in our spirits. Okay? Dwells in our spirits. And your spirit is made up of your conscience. That is, your inner knowing of, of what's right and what's wrong. What's the right place to go and what isn't the right place to go. Remember, because the Holy Spirit is there, it's like your Holy Spirit and your conscience are like, yeah, the Holy Spirit will tell me the right thing to do in any situation. If I learn not to try to figure it out, but to try to sense it first. Because the soul is a really good steward. It's a really bad originator of good ideas. The spirit is a really good originator of revelatory, good, intuitive, wonderful ideas that then bubble up to the soul. The soul says, you know, I just had this thought. Or... You know, this, I had this crazy idea about this issue we were dealing with yesterday. I woke up and I had, you know, and you kind of go, wow, that's inspiration. That, well, it is. Inspire means to breathe in, right? So over here, your spirit is made up of your intuition, your conscience, your, conscience, your intuition. Conscious is kind of the, the knowing right and wrong. Intuition is knowing. And communion is connecting with God. So I connect with God at the very core of who I am. And so this says the mind set on the flesh. So now here's the mind in the middle, and it's getting X-rated input from your flesh. If you ever want to hear the voice of your flesh really strong, just fast. Just drink only water for two days, and somewhere dinner time the first day, your flesh will say, feed me or I'll kill you. And at that point you go, Oh, that's the voice of the flesh. That, that's the one that says we need pornography. That's the one that says, yeah, okay, that's that voice, right? The mindset on the demands of the body is death. It leads to bad habits, bad actions, bad company, bad everything, okay? Because it's driven by brain chemistry issues. Serotonin depletion, and I'm going to go rob a bank. You know, it's, it's like, it wasn't my fault, it was the serotonin. Okay, but it says the mindset on the spirit, so here I am in the middle, the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. So we, human beings, have a choice. Where do I face when I get into trouble? Where do I face when I have free time? How do I establish a habit of a mindset connected to God. Jesus said, I do, nothing, I do nothing out of myself. I only do what I see the Father doing. He lived where? Out of connection with the Father, out of his spirit. And he said, I'm sending you the same way into the world. Okay, we have to go quickly here. Freedom action. If by the spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, and that body is sar something sarcophagus, sarcophagus. 
What's that? Sarkikos, right? Jesus' body, you will live. So he's saying, okay, so not only is your mind set over here, but from over here, you have leverage to deal with that. By the Spirit. See, if the soul, the soul's going to oh, stop, stop. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, ah, dang, I failed again. But over here, you have leverage, and the soul gets incredible strength and support to do the right thing. And from over here, you can say no over there really easily. From here, it's hard, because you've got to connect it. From here, it's easy, far easier. So he said, look, if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you live. So you want to live? You want to have life? You want to experience a life without guilt, a life of freedom, a life where, man, I feel like I can do what I'm called to do. I, I don't feel weighed down by all this kind of stuff, all these lies I've believed and all these things I've experienced. And none of those have changed. I'm not pretending anything has changed, but I've changed. I've become demagnetized. Catherine? Sorry, what's the, what is consecration as compared with sanctification? Uh, sanctification. Are they the same? They're sort of the same, but consecration seems a lot more formal and holy. It's like a, it's like a decision. I am setting this aside to God. Sanctification is I am transforming this. Okay. So I might consecrate Saturday to God. I don't sanctify it to God, but I might sanctify what I do on Saturday. Okay. I don't know. I just made that up, so I hope that's... <laughs> I'll check Google later. Enneagram threes can make stuff up really easy. Well, consecration is a dis your decision to do something, to set yourself aside. Sanctification is what is being done through you, yeah. through the Spirit. Yeah. So, one, sanctification is the Spirit's work, not mine, but consecration is my decision yep. to allow the Spirit to sanctify yeah. me. So it's almost like the literal, like, putting my flesh on the altar. That's yep. right. Hey. Uh, Mike and Jeannie, come up and sit in these seats as we're going to switch to you in one second. Um, freedom connection. So, so it's not just a mindset. It's not just action. But now it's, it's for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. How do you know if you're a Christian? Well, I was baptized. Well, I go to church. Well, well, well there's one. There's, that's one thing that God says you know. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. I didn't say that to make us feel guilty. I made this, I said that to let us know that that is a possibility and it is the expectation of God that we will be in a partnership relationship because of what he says there. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption. See, on the inside, something inside of us doesn't say he's God almighty, distant, and mysterious. God says, call me Pops. Call, you don't have to knock. Come in. When you come into my throne room, you're going to find it very comfortable, very welcoming. I'm going to give you a noogie. We're going to have jokes together. We're going to have fun things we do. You and I are like this. And I want zero distance between the two of us. When it says to fear me, I like that. I like that you respect me. And I like even more that you feel free to call me Abba, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. When we pray, you know, it's like I prayed in the MCC meeting today. It's like I was just dying to say, 
hey, Pops, it's us. And I thought, oh, that's a little too, okay, I, I do that at home, but I don't do that. So I said, I said, I said, Father God, it's us at the MCC. We're here, you know, and it's like, because, why? Because he's there. We're together with him, and it's this wonderful familiarity. And those are the three things that are the expectations that we should have in our lives, and we're going to learn about those things together over the next 17 weeks. So Mike and Jeannie, whoever is going first. I've, just, I've asked each of them just to kind of talk about, while well, you guys are arguing about this. I've asked, I've, I've asked them just to share a little bit about their experience of this, because as you come into Freedom Prayer, you kind of get a taste, and then some people go, I want on the team, because I want to, I want to do more of this kind of stuff. Okay. Um, everybody, all of us grows up in a church tradition uh, from whatever local community we're in. So I'm just describing my experience. I'm not saying this is everybody's, but this is my experience. When you talked about having a uh, spirit of fear, um, that was that was my life. The the most dreaded question someone could ask somebody in my church is, if you died today, would you go to heaven? And and the most common answer is, I hope so. Not I know, but I hope so. Actually, until I was in my 20s, I felt I had to pray and confess right before I died just to make sure that I got in. Just in case I missed something along the way. Um, what was valued, I was... Um, and I'm going to be a little critical, but I want you to know that um, my local church community growing up was a real blessing to me. So I'm, I'm not here to beat anybody up. I'm just telling you what I gathered from it. What was valued was complete obedience. In other words, you do the right works. And if you did the right works, then people valued you. And so one of the works was being baptized. And I was baptized when I was 10 years old. I, w- I didn't get baptized to go to heaven. I, I was baptized because I was running from hell. I didn't care what heaven was like. I just know I didn't want anything to do with hell. I didn't want that kind of suffering. Uh, If you obeyed the rules, you were godly and accepted. But if you disobeyed, you were unfaithful and rejected. And I eventually translated that to God as a kid growing up. So, even though we know that no one's perfect, there seemed to be an unwritten rule that you were supposed to be. So what did we do? We didn't talk about our struggles at church. Everybody was quiet. And we would pick and choose sins that we were not struggling with and charge the rest of the world with. But what we didn't talk about was our struggles with sin. And on the inside, I was dying. Dying. And covered with guilt and shame. So when I sinned, I felt I wasn't worthy. I didn't, I didn't deserve His love. Um, I must not really love Him because if I did, I wouldn't sin. If I really appreciated what He did for me, I wouldn't do these things. Here was the lie. I was trying to make myself right. Before God. In my heart, I knew I couldn't, but that was the only way I knew how. So, when I sinned, Satan would attack me and accuse me of being unfaithful to God, unworthy of His grace, undeserving of His love, and realizing what was inside of me, I would agree with Him. 
and I would feel hopeless. And I would question my faith and I would question God's love for me. And then I learned, I, and actually, I didn't know much about the Holy Spirit either. Um, but then I came across Romans 3, 21-23. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testified. This righteousness comes from God through faith in Jesus to all who believe. And, um, and so the, the point there is, is that I don't have to be righteous. Jesus says when I believe in Him, I am righteous. Period. Are you with me? Now how does that change your mindset? What kind of stress does that take off your life? When I realized that Jesus made me acceptable to God, and then I came across 1 John 1.7 where the blood of Jesus continually cleanses me of my sin. Then I go to Romans 6. It says I was buried and I was raised to live a new life. And so I'm no longer that old person anymore. I'm this new person. And I realize that I'm not the problem, but the sin is the struggle within me. And the Holy Spirit is being given to me to help me to overcome the sin that was within me. Not to just tell me I'm a terrible, awful person because I don't live a perfect life. Does that make sense? And so the Holy Spirit guides and convicts and affirms and assures. And in the process, I'm living today in life in peace. If you ask me if I'm going to heaven today, I would say absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt with no question in my mind. And it has nothing to do with me and my actions. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ. Praise God. Absolutely. And so, the Holy Spirit is there to help me exchange lies for truth, to help me discover entanglements, to find freedom, to exchange destructive ways for ways of prosperity, to exchange ungodly lies for truth. When I was born, I was born a kegel. When I was born into Jesus Christ, I became a believer. And being, being, back, back, being buried into Christ and being raised to a new life, I was born as a brother of Jesus into the family to receive the inheritance. And nobody can ever take that away from me. And when Satan accuses me, this is my response. I used to be that way, but I'm not that way anymore. I died to that way. I may have given in to it, but that's the sin that's living in me. I'm not that person anymore, and you no longer have control in my life. I don't look to me to justify my actions. I look to Jesus and the Holy Spirit within me. And when I keep the Holy Spirit and Jesus in front of me, I always have life and peace. Always. And that's what this is all about. That's why I love freedom prayer. It's a process of helping people to find that freedom for these lies that we believed. And we all have bunches of them. And you don't even know it. But, I don't stress over that because when the time comes, the Holy Spirit's going to make it known to me and I'm going to address it. I'm not going to worry about it right now. He's going to make it known. He'll grow me the way He wants to grow me. I'm not in control. He is. 
was really good. Thank you. <laughs> Coming from you, that's saying something. <laughs> Well, you should get a room you, later. You, you, you go ahead. You're, you're such a masterful teacher. So, when our children were in high school, I used to pack their lunch. Don't judge me. I did. And um, so, one time when uh, Scott, our son, was a senior, he went by his car, got his lunch, went to the lunchroom, and when he opened the sack inside, was a half a sandwich, a brown banana, and an empty baggie. And he went over to Julie, our youngest daughter, who was sitting at a table with her friends, and goes, what's up with mom and this lunch? Look what mom gave me. And Julie goes, well, I don't know, maybe it's almost payday and we're out of groceries or something. And, um, he was angry with me all afternoon until he put his book bag in the trunk to go home and he found the full lunch. He picked up some trash that he left in his car a few days prior. And he came home and he told me about it. And all afternoon he said, Mom, I was so mad at you. And I said, Scott, okay, so for all these years I've packed your lunch, why did you suddenly decide I'd lost my mind and wasn't providing for you? Well, he had bad information. And that story to me describes... My relationship with God, who it's been close. I've loved God all my life. I went to church when I was two weeks old and have been going ever since. Um, but I had some lies and some distortions, just like Scott did about me, about God that just weren't true. They were just lies. Um, and I have to say through the process of freedom prayer, through interacting with a community of people who've helped um, give me a new perspective, uh, truthfully, through uh, an amazing dream, there's been several ways that the Lord has taught and directed me in the last couple of years that have been actually life-changing. Um, I have felt in my life a spiritual shifting. It's as if, it's not like I've been, you know, thrown into a big hole because of an earthquake. It feels more like a shifting in my perspective. I realize lies that I had believed about God, which truthfully... The main one that I discovered was I believed that God was disappointed in me. Sometimes when I, I would try to serve and people wouldn't, res wouldn't respond or I didn't follow through with something that I thought he wanted me to do, I believed that he was deeply disappointed in me, which was the same perversion of thinking that Scott had about me doing a crummy lunch. It was, it was wrong and it was a lie and it was keeping me from being as deeply connected to the Lord as he wanted me to be. Um, his love and provision had been there all along, but Satan, I allowed it, has skewed my perception. I've also felt a fanning of the Spirit in my life. It's been, he's been there all along, but feeling that kind of blossom and grow. Um, so here are the results. Surely it's a work in progress, and I feel it changing every day. But here are some things I've noticed over the last couple of years. The first is this. I am way more chill about other people's opinions about me and about my performance. And let me tell you something. That is a weight lifted. I hope y'all like me, but if you don't, the Father adores me, and that's what sustains me. I adore you. <laughs> Mike and the father adore me. <laughs> the, 
the second thing I've noticed is I did an awful lot of talking in prayer. I grew up with ACTS, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication, which, what does that mean? But I, And then when I got through, I was like, and thank you, dear Lord, check you later, and off I went, and I never was listening very much. Uh, scripture has become alive and jumps off the page in a The passage in Romans about the Spirit intercedes with our spirit with the deep groanings, that communication, for some crazy reason, I thought it meant if you had a life-altering, horrible disaster that the Spirit stepped in. I don't know where I got that distortion. That verse is talking about everyday, all-day interaction with the Lord through the Spirit. Uh, Worship and communion feel deeper. Um, A song... um, the Lord's Supper, any of these things feel like they have more texture, more connection in my life. My compassion for others has increased. When I hear someone talk about their struggle, I think, oh my, there's a wound. Or I think, oh, you're, you're entangled. Um, not at all in a way of judgment, but feeling brokenhearted. <clears throat> and then more than that, wanting so much for all of you, for every person I meet, for you to experience abundant life. Because I'm so deeply convinced that's how we navigate this hot mess of a world that we live in. It's truly feeling the Spirit work within each of us, and He's available to every single person that we come in contact with. I've replaced striving with abiding, and it's been such a blessing and continues to grow. We've got time for one or two questions for either of them. If something occurred to you before you wanted to ask. How has your family responded to um, to the, the changes in you in the past couple of years? Um, or have they? I'm just curious. Because you have adult children. We do have adult children. And it's neat for us to see people a couple of years advanced. Yes, it's okay. You can say willing to be. Yeah, we know we're all. I'm old too. If if I, you know what, if I uh, were to be completely honest, I would say they've witnessed it more in Mike overtly um, because he is a much kinder, gentler version of himself. Uh, if you know the Enneagram, he's an eight. And there's a lot of intensity and a lot of focus that is such a blessing. But to see the spirit uh, temper it with kindness and gentleness makes it all the more awesome. That's good. Well, we are out of time. Um, so we're going to just put a comma on this uh, discussion and pick it up again. Um, You're going to be hearing from a number of them scattered here. Some will be teaching pieces. All will have a chance to give a testimony about what's kind of been going on in their lives. So you can see lots of different colors in God's Crayola box. And so if you're a blue, you'll hear a blue and you go, okay, okay. Annie, not so much, but that one one resonated with me. So uh, thank you. Bring a friend when you come back. I want to blow the walls out of this room so they'll put us up in the sanctuary. (laughs) Jesus... God, Holy Spirit, thank you for loving us. Thank you for living inside of us. I wouldn't do it, but you did. Thank you so much. Amen. 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 Bless you.